0: Good evening, it's time for us to go ahead and get started tonight. We want to begin by welcoming each of you to our services, especially uh, those that are visiting with us tonight. We're always honored and happy to welcome guests, and we want you to know that, and uh, we want you to come back and be with us anytime you have an opportunity. Of course, on Sunday morning, we meet at 9.30 for our worship service, and then at 5 o'clock, If you were not who you were, you'd scare me there for a minute. Go ahead. Oh, when I'm done? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Yeah, Stephen's put in his name for an announcement, so that's what we're going to do in just a minute. But we are glad you're here, and I hope you'll come back Sunday if at all possible. As far as uh, announcements, I hope that you uh, picked up a bulletin as you came in. It's got an updated list of those that are sick and also other events that are going on. Uh, High school seniors, uh, there's gonna be a very important meeting tonight in the TAC after our services are dismissed for all seniors and their parents. So please keep that in mind. Also, we need to remember this coming Sunday is Mission Sunday. And uh, we've been challenged to give generously uh, so that we can effectively carry out uh, our mission uh, to seek and save the lost locally as well as uh, worldwide. So I hope you'll be thinking about that between now and Sunday. Uh, we want to express our uh, deepest sympathy to Tina Anderson and the death of her brother Philip Anderson of Tupelo. That funeral was today. So let's remember that family in our prayers. Do keep in mind that this coming Sunday following our morning service we'll be having a congregational meal together. In the fellowship hall, that simply means that we need to bring enough food for ourselves and also for our many guests that we hope to have as well. So I hope you're planning to uh, participate in that and be a part of that. Uh, I'm personally looking forward to that. It's been a long time since you know, we've had a church-wide fellowship like that. So let's all plan to be a part of that. Uh, this, uh, tomorrow night, uh, ladies' class over at Sister Anita Forrest house, uh, it will be at 6:30, so I hope you ladies that have been a part of that class will plan to attend. Our food pantry item this week, if I can read that, flour. That's what it says, flour. So uh, if you can bring flour, that would certainly be helpful. I'll say more about our special day in just a few minutes. But before we begin our devotional tonight. Uh, Anthony Acock is going to be leading our singing. Brother Merle Crow
1: will lead our prayer. Since we will be a part uh, involved in our special weekend on Sunday, I wanted to go ahead and make a quick announcement regarding the upcoming quarter. The new uh, quarter comes up May, June, and July. And for the teachers who are teaching tonight, you'll review... Uh, next Wednesday night and then the new quarter for you will be the following Wednesday. But on May the 7th that's when the new quarter starts for the other classes. Now as far as the adults that's what uh, Brother Larry wanted me to make sure I announced tonight. Uh, The uh, quarter will change. The Sunday will start on May 7th and then Wednesday will be next Wednesday May the 3rd. Um, In the auditorium uh, on Sunday Brother Doug Smith will be teaching uh, what the Bible says about marriage, and on uh, Wednesday in the auditorium, Brother Ken Forrest, what the Bible teaches or what the Bible says about tending your family. And then in the annex on Sunday, Brother Ken Forrest uh, studying um, an overview of Job through Song of Solomon. And then on Wednesday night for the Cameron Jumper, the topic of 1st and 2nd Corinthians. So. Uh, I'm excited to be adding, I'm sorry, but when I get new names on this list, I get really excited. Uh, But we are excited about that, and then the ladies' class will continue to meet on Wednesday night studying the book, The Domino Effect. And the young adult class will renew again uh, starting on uh, May 7th. Aaron Foster will teach in the Little Chapel on Sunday evening, Practical Application of the Sermon on the Mount. You would take your songbooks and mark number 552. That will be the invitation number 552. Then turn number 859. 859.
2: What a song in the city so-
0: chapter 6 and verse 33 is a very familiar passage to all of us. All of us probably could quote it from memory. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now it's easy to quote that verse. It's a little more difficult to make personal application to our lives. The Bible says we are to seek. That means this is to be a top priority in our lives. Uh, that scene when the Bible says, seek first, this is to be paramount above everything else in our lives. We're to seek first the kingdom of God. We need to put the church first and foremost in our lives. You know, we ought to be proud of the local church here at Booneville. I know I'm proud of the local church here. But you know, we ought to live our lives each day so that the local church would be proud of us as well. It goes both ways. We ought never to refer to the church as them or they, but it ought to be our church, my local congregation. You know, a sense of belonging, a sense of ownership. And I share that with you tonight in view of what's taking place this coming Saturday when we have a huge event that families desperately need, strengthening our families to face a changing and dangerous world. I want to emphasize tonight that seeking first the kingdom of God means that I believe you ought to be, see a sense of obligation to be here. If at all possible, you ought to make sure that you and your family are present first of all it's our home church right this is our home turf it would be sad if i invited you to my house for a meal and i didn't show up well we're inviting people to come to our home church and we need to be here and we need to welcome and we need to make people feel warm because that's going to open up the doors of opportunity for us to teach them the gospel of Jesus Christ so let's feel that sense of urgency that sense of obligation that we need to be here ourselves because you know these lessons are going to benefit you and your family tremendously now as I've stated several times already these lessons even though they're on very sensitive topics they're going to be g-rated in their presentation. Also, we need to understand as Dr. Sam Jones has emphasized, if we don't talk to our six to eight year old children about things like this now it'll be too late when they're 10 to 12. And so I want you to feel that sense of responsibility and it's still not too late to invite somebody to come and to be a part of it. You know people who need this, you know families that are desperately seeking answers that are struggling. I hope you'll sense the responsibility that is yours to make sure not only you're here, but you're going to invite others to come as well. So tonight as we sing this song of encouragement, I want to ask you, are you seeking first the kingdom of God? It may be tonight that you're here and you're not a member of the Lord's kingdom. You're not yet a child of God. You may have a need tonight to come and obey the gospel. Tonight, if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and you're willing to repent of your sins and confess his name, you can be immersed in water tonight for the forgiveness of your sins. The Lord will automatically add you to his family, the church. And so tonight, if we can assist you in any way whatsoever, we ask that you come now while we stand and sing. Amen. Yeah. Yeah.
3: trained on how to get into congregate to use that sort of as a directory some of y'all several of y'all I'm sure how okay that's the congregate directory online uh, it'd be interesting to say how, how many of y'all own that yeah that's, that looks good okay there's another thing going there is gonna be a there is gonna be a paper copy of a directory okay People have requested that, and I think it's a good thing to do. And Jimmy's working on it, but we need some help. For, need some help for that. This is the form that you need to fill out for the paper directory. Uh, Ninety-eight people or households have, but ninety-four has not. So we're by highway, so we need some help. Okay. Now these sheets are on the tables back there. I put some over here, but I didn't get any over here. this 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 form if you take it get it filled out and then there's boxes that you can return it in then Jimmy can can proceed and we're looking forward to have that Uh, I might go ahead and say one more thing about that if uh, you have a picture already that's being used then that's good now I don't know how you know what that picture is but if, if you want a particular picture in there, then you can make it or get somebody to make it to you, then send it to Jimmy. Okay. Uh, I got a list of people. and I'm not going to do that right now. I got a list of people who she does not have a picture on. So we're going to line that up. Not this Sunday because of the big day, as we call it, but then immediately after that we're going to make pictures. It's just snapshots, you know, real quick. Then we're trying to get everybody. We want everybody in there. So help us get all this information and Before long, we'll have congregate going for those who want it and paper for those. Thank y'all. Thank you, sir.
4: All right. Well, good evening again to you all, especially on this sort of rainy, dreary evening, but it is good to see all of you here with us once again. And we will go ahead here momentarily and we'll resume our ongoing study of the uh, book of Romans. And as I mentioned uh, last Wednesday, if time permits, we will try to conclude our study here uh, this evening. And if there is anything that we don't get to this week, then next week that can uh, be covered. And I, time has almost gotten away from me, but I will be gone uh, next Wednesday. So if there is anything left to be covered, I will make sure uh, that I get all of that arranged before I leave. So Just wanted you to be aware of that, but we're going to go ahead and begin here this evening in chapter 12, and as I mentioned last week, we're going to, for the uh, sake of time and to try to have some brevity uh, here, we'll just try to give a brief synopsis and overviews of these latter chapters, so that way we can... Uh, get through the entire book. Uh, And again, I know there's probably going to be things that were within these texts that we're not going to be able to get to, uh, but we will do the best that we can. And before we uh, do that, as always, I'd like to open with a word of prayer. So if you would bow with me, please, and then we'll enter our study. Our Heavenly Father, we come and we Thank you for another day. We thank you for this great privilege that you've afforded us to be here together this evening as your people to study your word. And as we examine these latter sections of the great book of Romans, may we do it as with all things, an open heart and an open mind, and that we'll learn from these things and that we'll learn how to apply them in our own lives and with one another and with all others that we may come into contact with. We thank you for all that are here. We ask your continued hand of care to be upon those that are not here, whatever their circumstances may be, and just always watch over us and always care for us. And for this we ask, and in Christ's name, amen. All right, so as I mentioned before... Chapters 1 through 11, that is what we would consider the doctrinal section where he gets into the deeper teachings. There are things concerning, for example, identifying sin, identifying that all are guilty of sin. Then he speaks of what to do about that, salvation through faith in Christ. And then we come here to chapter 12, and from here through the rest of the book, he is going to teach the application of what he has said previously. So now that we know all of these things, how do we apply it? So we come to chapter 12, and he begins, uh, there verses 1 and 2, and these passages we probably know very well. That's what he's calling for here. So what do we sacrifice? Well, he says here, your bodies, in that all that we do to the best of our ability should in some way be to the service of God. Do not be conformed to this world. Well, why would Paul write that to a group of Christians? I'll tell you why. Because the temptation to abandon the faith and turn back to the world is very real. The book of Hebrews is all about that. It is possible for a Christian to fall away. But here he is giving us encouragement and to remain in a state of salvation. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. A transformation, to be transformed is to go from one thing to another. So he's telling them to change your thinking. Look to the spiritual rather than to the flesh. And that is how we are to live as well. So now that we've looked at that, let us look here briefly at verses 3 through 8 when he's going to talk about the various, what many of us call spiritual gifts. And he's going to have some things to say about that. First of all, we see in verse 3 that there is a call to humility, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly in contrast to that, in contrast to pride, to think with the mindset of seriousness, to take these things seriously, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Now, when he talks about faith here, he's not necessarily talking about the believing faith in Christ that leads one to salvation, but rather in this context, he's speaking of the differing abilities that each has. And he's going to go on and to talk about that. And you can parallel this section with 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when he, in that letter, compares the church to the human body. And that is what he's going to do here to some degree. He says, for as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same functions. My eyes do not serve the same purpose as my feet, but they work together in unison. That's the idea. And so just as that is the case with the human body, so it is spiritually in the Lord's body. We can't all do the same things, but the things that we can do, we should put to the best possible use for the unity of the church and in ongoing service to the Lord. All right, because there in five, he speaks of being in one body. So what are these differing gifts? If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith or ministry, let us use it in our ministering, he who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts and exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And so again, those are just a few examples. And while some of those things, especially prophecy, that's not something that occurs now. It was something that was very real in Paul's time and there in the first century, but it still has application to us. In what way? It was an ability that some received, and they were expected to use it to the best of their ability. And that's what we are to do as well. So as we continue on through the rest of the text in verses 9 through 21, he goes on To explain how the Christian is to behave. Let love be without hypocrisy or not be two-faced. Abhor what is evil. That's something that we don't think about enough. And notice he says that in the context of love. Abhor that which is evil. We need to think about that. And a couple passages that I'll uh, give you that kind of parallel that come to us from the book of Psalms, Psalm 26 and verse 5, and Psalm 119, verse 128. Then, in contrast to that, cling to what is good. When I see that word cling, I picture of latching on to something and just not letting go. That's the idea. So we can know from scripture, the distinction is made, we can know the difference between that which is evil, that which we are to abhor, and that which is good, that which we are to cling to. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Love is sacrificial, love is reciprocal. We are to practice that toward one another. In honor, giving preference to one another, there's humility, not lagging in diligence. So the opposite of that would be to be diligent. And I would contend that in this context, it would be, In using whatever gifts or abilities that we have been given. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Remember chapter 8. Patient in tribulation. And that is not an easy attribute to come to. But it is something that we are to possess. Continuing steadfastly in prayer i think about 1st Thessalonians 5:17 pray without ceasing that is to be consistent to make it a regular practice distributing to the needs of the saints helping one another in times of need given to hospitality that is sharing with one another Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, be of the same mind toward one another, there's unity, do not set your mind on high things but associate with the humble, do not be wise in your own opinion. So there's another call for humility in the life of a Christian. Repay no one for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Notice he says, if it is possible. That's a conditional statement. Now let me explain. Some people are just not easy to get along with. It might be somebody in our own family, it might be a neighbor, it might be a coworker. Some folks just don't want to get along. But Paul tells us here how we are to address those types of situations, live peaceably. Well, how do we live peaceably? Repay no one evil for evil, verse 17. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Oh, that comes from Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 35. So again, he's quoting from the Old Testament. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Again, Old Testament quotation, that's coming from Proverbs chapter 25, verses 21 and 22 there. So he's quoting Solomon uh, here in that. So there we see the first practical applications of how the Christian is to live. Uh, Before we move on, do we have any observations here concerning chapter 12? All right, chapter 13. And when we come here, we have a tendency to just spend most, if not all, the time on verses 1 through 7. And we are going to spend a little bit of time here, but there are some other things here that Paul speaks to as well concerning the Christian. All right, so here he is talking about relationships. All right. Well, specifically, he's talking about the Christian's relationship to what we would call today civil authority. All right. Now, notice he says, for there is no authority except from God. Well, that's exactly what Jesus said to Pilate in John 19. Remember, in John's account of that, Pilate asked of Jesus, do you not know that I have the power to crucify you? And what was Jesus' answer? You would have no power at all, except it be given to you by God or from above. So we can know that this is an institution that is established by God. No question about that. All right. Now, Submission. This is something that in very, not just here, but in all aspects of life that a lot of people just don't like to think about. Resist the ordinances of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Now, he goes on, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good And you will have praise from the same, for he is God's minister to you for good. Now, I want to stop there uh, for just a second. That phrase there, minister, in this context. In this context, that word is simply denoting one who has a specific purpose. And here's what I mean. When you go back to the book of Jeremiah... Several times in the book of Jeremiah, you will see Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, referred to as God's servant. How, and keep in mind, Nebuchadnezzar was a very wicked, ungodly man. So how was he God's servant? He was God's servant, not in that he was doing God's will, but that he was, well, I won't say that, He wasn't living as God would have him to live. However, he was carrying out God's will in that he was the one who brought God's judgment upon Judah for her wickedness and idolatry. All right, so, and I'll give you a few references for that if you want to look at that concept a little more. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 25 and verse 9, chapter 27 and verse 6. In chapter 43 and verse 10. My servant, Nebuchadnezzar. All right. Um, But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. Well, how is that? Again, appointed by God, verse 1. Uh, Notice again, for he is God's minister. An avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. And I would add something else to this as well. For example, and I mean setting an example for others to follow for because of this, you also pay taxes. Now, notice the correlation here. Verse 6, paying taxes, why? Because the purpose of its existence is to execute judgment on evildoers. For they are God's minister, attending continually to this very thing. Render therefore To all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So what we've established here, it is a God-established, ordained institution. There are responsibilities both on the part of the Christian, but also on those who are in Positions of civil authority. Now, what, so what we see outlined here is what God has designed. But like with everything else that God has designed, for example, with marriage, look at how far man has strayed from that original design and purpose. Every time I read this, I can't help but think about it. When we see those who are in positions of authority to act, such as city prosecutors, who will not prosecute violent crimes. That's not carrying out what God has designated for them to do. But nonetheless, as much as is within us and within reason, Acts 5 and verse 29 we still have a duty as well. All right, uh, we continue on here a little bit. uh, Verses 8 through 14. So he's going to come back to some things concerning the law of Moses. So he's covered our relationship with civil authority. And now he's going to come back to our relationship with one another. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Well, that would be Leviticus 19 and verse 18, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet, And if there is any other commandment, all are summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. All right, so again, going back to the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, Deuteronomy chapter 5, uh, there is where all of that is coming from. So the summary of it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Treat others the way that we would want and expect to be treated ourselves. Again, it's a simple concept, but yet it's one that if we're honest with ourselves, maybe sometimes we have a little difficulty with. But it is something that we are to practice Nonetheless, and then we come here to the end of it, 11 through uh, 14, and let us notice what he says, and do this, knowing the time, well what is the time, that now it is the high time to awake out of sleep, now he's speaking here metaphorically, for now our salvation, or that is deliverance is nearer than when we first believed, a call to vigilance. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Whenever you see that phrase at hand in Scripture, it's usually in the context of an imminent forthcoming event. For example, you'll see it a lot in the writings of the prophets. When you go back and study the Old Testament, you'll see that phrase, at hand. Something that is drawing nigh. So what are we to do in the meantime? Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness, that is, those evil things from chapter 12 that we are to abhor. And let us put on the armor of darkness. Light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Well, what's he saying here? He's telling us that judgment... Is coming. He's telling us that the Lord is going to return. Remember Hebrews 9 and verse 28 that when He comes a second time, it's not going to be for sin, but it's going to be for salvation. That is, He is going to come for those who are faithful. And so we must live continually with that in. Mind. Uh, For example, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 4 through 8, and 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. There in those letters, Paul and Peter speak of these matters to those recipients. So, with that view in mind, we can understand why he would tell us not to make provisions for the flesh. We're to live for the Spirit, not after the flesh. All right, uh, any questions, comments on chapter 13? All right, chapter 14. Uh, so we come here, verses 1 through 12, and I'll go ahead and tell you now, you can parallel this uh, with 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and parts of chapter 10 as well because Paul is going to address similar uh, things with the brethren in Corinth. But here's what he's telling them. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. Now, as we read on, and especially when you parallel it, for example, with 1 Corinthians 8, the question was, is it acceptable to eat things that have been offered to false idols. Well, you've got to remember our context. We have the coming together of two very vastly different cultures that have been made one in Christ. So it's natural that questions such as this would have arisen, and of course the Holy Spirit saw fit, for these things to be penned for our learning. All right. So when he talks about one who is weak in the faith, we can picture one who is new to Christianity and one that is still growing in that faith. All right. So he, He's going, I won't read all of this for the sake of time, but I would encourage you to do that. But the summation of it is is that some will partake of one thing, some another, and then concerning various days that are esteemed, verse 5, he tells them that they have the liberty to do this, but they do not have the liberty to do it in such a way to discourage the one who is doubtful about those things. In other words, these are things that are really of no eternal consequence. But yet, sometimes, sadly, even in the Lord's body, I have seen, and I'm sure some of you have as well, have seen brethren that will fight and divide the church over things that are really of no real consequence in the end. Why is that? Because there are some, as we just looked at back in chapter 12, that think more highly of themselves than they ought. We need to practice humility. And really, that's what we see here in chapter 14. Is a call for humility. All right, now I will also say this. Uh, Notice 12 and 13. He says, So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore, (coughs) excuse me, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. Notice he makes the connection between how we handle these things and judgment. Now, that is a very sobering thought that we are going to be judged on how we treat one another in these scruples. Now, I will also say this. Here, Paul is going to talk about the one who is weak in the faith or sometimes referred to as the weaker brother. And we need to be accommodating to that. He teaches us that. But let's also think about something else. Growth and maturity in the faith. One who is weak in the faith should not remain weak in the faith. There's an expectation of growth that is taught in the scriptures. Uh, For example, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, Paul there tells the church that he could not say things to them that he wanted to say. He says, because you are carnal. You still have need of milk. Uh, Peter speaks of that, 1 Peter 2, 1 and 2. There he talks about receiving the milk, but then he talks about, he mentions growing. 2 Peter 3 and verse 18, he says, grow. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what we need to understand is that, we, again, we need to be accommodating, but there also needs to be an understanding that growth is expected on the part of all. Now, I also want us to consider here verse 23, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. Now, again, when he talks about faith in this context, he's not talking about our faith that Jesus is the son of God that leads to salvation. No, he's not talking about that, but he is talking about the conscience It is a sin to violate our conscience. Whatever is not done from faith is sin. Now, that may be a little difficult for us to grasp, but that's what he is teaching here. And then again, this would be a good time for self-evaluation. is what I am doing or not doing, as the case might be, is there anything inherently wrong with this either way? But if I believe that this is wrong and I do it anyway, I am sinning. However, we need to recognize that we can change our thinking on things as well. And in matters such as this, it is okay for us to change our understanding. So we don't need to be at the mindset that this is what I believe, this is what I've always believed, and I'm never going to change it. It's okay to evaluate. Uh, but I would also add to that, again, some things that he says to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 6, 12, and chapter 10, and verse 23, All things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. So just because we can do something doesn't mean that we should do it. This is something that, a lesson that I teach to our boys a lot. Just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should do it. And so that's something that we need to think about as well. Do we have any questions, comments on chapter 14? Okay, well, we'll go on in here to chapter 15, and we'll see if we can uh, draw to a close. We don't think about chapter 15 as much, but I do want us to consider something here. He's continuing off of what he started in 14. We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak. Notice he says bear with the scruples of the weak. That is, we accommodate it and we tolerate it and not to please ourselves. Well, why? We come down to verse 3, and we'll find out why. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. That is Psalm 69 and verse 9. They're widely interpreted as a messianic prophecy. All right, now, so you think about what he's saying here. There never has been and there never will be anyone that suffered to the extent of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So Paul's point here is, if Jesus can bear that, we can bear with our own brethren and these matters of opinion. So when you think about it like that, in the end, it's really not that big of a deal, and we really shouldn't make a big deal about it. So it's in this context that he makes a statement in verse 4 that we know so well, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we may through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. All right, so we continue on. Uh, Here we come down to 8 through 13. And he pictures Jesus as our source of hope. Uh, Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the fathers and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. All right, so he's going to quote several uh, Old Testament passages here. Uh, Psalm 18 and verse 49, Deuteronomy 32 and verse 43, Psalm 117 and verse 1, and then he's going to quote from Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 11 and verses 1 and 10 is where all the citations in verses 9 through 12 come from. All right. And then we come to the latter part of this, uh, verses 14 uh, through 21. Paul is expressing again, as he did at the beginning, a desire to go and visit with the brethren in Rome. But he also tells them, 15, I have written more boldly to you on some points. Now, you think about everything that he has said up to this. He's given them a lot of information. For what purpose? As reminding you because of the grace given to me by God that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. Acts chapter 9 and verse 15, and chapter 22 and verse 21. There, the Lord speaking to him, affirming that he would be sent to minister to the Gentiles. All right, so we come here uh, for this reason. I also have been much hindered from coming to you. For what purpose? to preach the gospel not where Christ was named, verse 20. But nonetheless, he expresses this desire to come and visit with them. And again, I ask the question, do we have a strong desire to be with and to be in the presence of one another? All right, chapter 16, I know our time is almost up, but I believe we can do it. If you'll just bear with me another moment or two here. Uh, chapter 16 is his closing remarks of the letter. Uh, he speaks to us of Phoebe in verses 1 and 2. She's referred to as a servant of the church, uh, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many and of myself also. So, a very faithful sister. Uh, Some have speculated that perhaps she was the one who delivered uh, this letter to the church. We're not told that, but it is possible. Uh, But what we find uh, here is his greetings of many very dear friends, Aquila and Priscilla, verses 3 and 4. Of course, you can go back to Acts chapter 18 there, where we're introduced to them in his time in Corinth. Uh, Then there are others that are mentioned here that we really don't know anything about them, but what we can conclude is that they were faithful brothers and sisters in the Lord. You don't have to be well known to be faithful. Then as we close out here, 17 and 18, Now I urge you, brethren... Note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. For what purpose? For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. We cannot give room for false teachers. They were prevalent in Paul's day and... Most likely here, perhaps he's speaking of some of the Jews who were always persecuting him. But nonetheless, he gives them warning not to be deceived. And my friends, I can tell you, the truth is simple. The scriptures are simple. If someone comes in and is teaching something that is very convoluted, I can assure you, it is not from the word of God. It's not hard to distinguish truth from error. And that's something that we need to understand. And so again, I know our time is pretty much up, but do we have any comments at all on any of this before we dismiss? All right, well... That has been the book of Romans. Uh, again, I have thoroughly enjoyed it, and I appreciate so much your kind attention and your uh, participation in our studies. Again, I'll be taking the uh, summer quarter off, uh, but if the opportunity arises, who knows, I might be filling in from time to time, but I look forward to being in here with you nonetheless.